We continue our journey through the Gospel of Mark today, and we're in Mark chapter 7, verses 1 through 23. Um, When I was a young pastor, just a few years out of seminary, I was an associate pastor, so I didn't get to preach every week. I may have gotten to preach once a quarter, once every two months, something like that. So it came time for me to preach again, probably my fourth or fifth time to preach a sermon. I don't really recall the exact date or time, but I was really excited about the opportunity to preach, and I really was excited about the opening sermon illustration and theme for the day. I was trying to make the point that in the ordinariness of life, we can have encounters with God, and God can work in ordinary places in ordinary situations, and I'd found the perfect illustration. It was a great book that I had bought, and it was by what I learned since I've been here in St. Mark's, the father of one of our own members, Alan Morris. His dad wrote a book called Spirits Laughing, and it was about how to find joy and humor in life. And as I was reading this book and thinking about the sermon, I got the best sermon illustration ever. I couldn't wait to share it with the congregation. As I recall, the story was something about, I think it might have even Reverend Morris himself. He he had a problem with a toilet in his home. It was overflowing. He called a plumber there to help him fix it. And over the course of the conversation, he found out that the plumber was not a person of faith, uh, or at least wasn't regularly going to church. And the long story short was how that Reverend Morris witnessed to this plumber uh, while he was at the house, and and the plumber ended up uh, beginning attending church regularly and uh, came to faith in Christ. And I thought, you know, that is just a perfect example of how God can work in just ordinary situations and, and, and God can do something great. And that next morning I came into the office and there was three matriarchs of the church sitting outside my door and said, we'd like to talk to you about the sermon yesterday. And I'm thinking, you know, well, they probably thought of other ways that God works in ordinary situations. And so I invited them in and they sat down and they said, we don't talk about overflowing toilets from the pulpit of Columbia First United Methodist Church. And, you know, these three dear ladies have gone on to that place where toilets don't overflow, but they, they missed the point of the story. You know, they really missed the point of the story. I, I didn't get graphic in my story. I, I was just simply trying to talk about how even in something like that, God could still use us to be an agent of love and grace and acceptance And it ended up making a profound difference in this person's life. But but they couldn't get past the overflowing toilet and they missed the entire point or the entire message. And I think that's what's happening here in our scripture lesson this morning. You see, Jesus has 
just finished in the chapter before what we read today, feeding the 5,000. You remember there was these 5,000, it says there were 5,000 men, so there were likely so many more than that when you add women and children into the mix. But, but they've been out listening to Jesus teach, and, and, and they're hungry, and Jesus doesn't want to send them away hungry. And so Jesus invites the disciples, how much food do you have? And, and they collected five loaves of bread and two fish, and and Jesus took those five loaves and those two uh, fish and he fed that entire multitude and there were 12 baskets left over. And yet, the, yet these Pharisees who had no doubt heard about that story, many of whom maybe even witnessed that story, they couldn't get to the point, the real point of the message that Jesus was feeding the multitudes because they were so wrapped up in the idea that Jesus and the disciples don't wash their hands before they handle and they eat the food. Uh, They were well-intentioned and well-meaning, but they missed the whole point because they got focused in on something and couldn't get past it. Now, to be fair to the women that were in my church so many years ago and to these Pharisees and these teachers of the law, there was a good motivation at at the core for what they were trying to do. They were trying to maintain purity. I mean, after all, if a preacher's going to talk about overflowing toilets one Sunday, what's he going to talk about next? And the same thing is happening with our Pharisees and the teachers of the law here. You see, in the Old Testament, we read about how that Scripture requires that priests, when they're involved in tabernacle work, that they must wash their hands. We're told that in the Old Testament, when the priests would offer an animal sacrifice, that they had to be ceremonially clean before they could handle those animal sacrifices. We're told that after they offer those animal sacrifices to God in a way that the aroma is pleasing as it wafts up to heaven to God, that they can take some of those animal sacrifices home to their family. But the same principle applies to anyone in their family that applied to the priests themselves. Before they could touch that food, they had to make sure that they were ceremonially clean. They had to make sure that their hands were washed. And the Pharisees had read those stories about how priests were supposed to conduct themselves and and to regard God as being holy and mysterious and beautiful and wonderful and, and to be clean when they were with God. The Pharisees began to say, well, God is everywhere. And so there ought to be this sense in which all of us live our lives in such a way that people could just look at us and be able to tell that we are people of God, that we are followers of God, that we somehow are set apart. And so the Pharisees began to put this premium on this outward and visible signs that we were people of God. And so they decided that not only should hands be washed before you touch food when you're in the tabernacle, but you should be ceremonially clean before you touch any kind of food because God is present in our midst as we eat food. And so the Pharisees started with this great intention that we want others to be able to see that we are followers of God and we want to give God the respect that God deserves 
And so they began to extend these ceremonially clean laws and regulations to all sorts of people. It was their way of acknowledging that, that, that God is a part of the ordinariness of life. Now, we, we do the same things today. Does anybody in here remember a time that when a, man, when a man walked outside, he had to have his hat covered, head covered with a hat? Anybody remember that? You remember that? And, and when a man had on a hat on the outside, as soon as he walked into an inside of a building, what did he have to do? Had to take the hat off. And, and, and that's just the way it was. Uh, you were supposed to have your head covered when you were out in public, but when you came inside a building, you took that hat off. And, and you remember it was the exact opposite for women, right? When they walked into a building, they got to keep their hat on, right? Um, women were supposed to have their head covered when they walked into a building or especially into a church. Uh, and you know why that is, don't you? It's because Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 talked about how that a man's head should not be covered when he was in church because on his head was the glory of God and so the glory of God needed to be seen and so that's why you took off your hat uh, in the scripture so that the glory of God could be seen. But Paul also said that when a woman comes into church, she's supposed to keep her head covered. Now, somewhere along the way, you women stopped wearing hats to church and nobody complained. Nobody comes up to me on a Sunday morning and says, I can't believe that not a single woman in this church doesn't have a hat on. But you let a man walk up in here on Sunday morning with a hat on his head and they'll be like, you need to go say something to him, preacher. He's not supposed to have that hat on in church. You know... It's one of those ways where something that started out so well-intentioned and, and, and really, truly meant to be a sign of respect, but, but it became so legalistic and, and, and that we began to really miss the point. It's not so much about the hat itself. It's about how we are supposed to show due reverence and respect to God. And, and so there's a lot of other ways, I would suggest a lot of better ways that you and I show reverence and respect to God than whether or not we have our hat on or off in a building. And yet somehow or another, we got so keyed in on the hat itself that we missed the bigger point, the bigger message of what God was trying to do. The point that Jesus is trying to make in the Scripture is that um, cleansing your hands or wearing a hat or using certain illustrations in a sermon, they can too easily become a litmus test. And that's how we decide whether people are not irreverent or they show respect. And we have to be careful when we start pigeonholing people and saying, well, if you do this, then you can't come in. Or if you don't do that, you can come in. Because oftentimes it will result in us missing the larger point that God intended. Jesus wanted us to know that true uncleanliness is more about our uh, moral deficiencies rather than some ritual deficiency. Uh, he knew that we could live a life of do's and don'ts without our hearts being right with one another and with God. He knew that we could focus on external purity and piety and miss 
opportunities for internal purity and piety. He didn't want us to be so, so concerned about what we're doing with our hands that we forget what's going on and what we're meant to do with our hearts. And so that's why Jesus has this conversation uh, with those around him. Now, please hear me. Maintaining purity laws are important. There, uh, uh, maintaining purity is important. There, there, there need to be ways that people can look at us and see that we love God and, and that we desire to serve God. Um, there need to be opportunities, these outward and visible signs, so that everybody who may never walk into this church can somehow sense and see that we love God and that we're seeking to live lives for God. But Jesus is warning us, don't put laws and rules and regulations above people and above hearts. Uh, pay attention to what's going on inside as much as more as you pay attention to what's going on outside. Because we can learn and we can do all of the commands of God and we can still not be the people that God requires us to be. Uh, we can uh, do lots of things that show reverence and respect for God. But in so doing, we might miss the larger point or message of God.